Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. It is Thanksgiving week. And how could you not have joy for a holiday that includes family, it includes football, it includes food, it includes naps? Are you kidding me? Sign me up. Um, And maybe the best thing about Thanksgiving is you are allowed to wear stretchy pants. I'm all about that. The more you eat, they just expand. You never feel fat. It's amazing. Um, what you can do with stretchy pants. I know what some of you are saying, but Corey, you don't know my family. They are crazy. They are stressful. I will have no joy in this, but I'm here to encourage you this morning. And I want to encourage you that maybe your joy is going to come a little bit later on Thursday night when your family goes home, right? So we are in our series, and if you've been coming, it's our series on Philippians, the book of Philippians. And you know that we've been talking about the overlying theme of Philippians, which is joy. And we see Paul talk about joy in this short book, this letter to this church over 16 times. He's at 16 times. And usually that wouldn't be, a, you know, an odd thing to talk about joy, especially when you're writing in the Bible. But what makes it interesting is the place where Paul is actually writing this letter. We know that there are four letters um, that Paul writes from prison, and this is one of them. They're known as the prison epistles or the prison letters. I like to think of Paul of being the first one that started the prison pen pal program when he wrote these letters. But what's interesting is he is in prison in this horrible situation where he is being beat, he's being starved, it's not a good stay, but yet when he writes this letter to the church at Philippi, it's full of thankfulness and it's full of joy. Why? Well, I believe because Paul had a different perspective. See, several decades ago, um, there's this doctor, her name is Dr. Vicki Medvik, and she did an interesting study on Olympic medalists. And what she discovered, and these are her words, that bronze medalists were quantifiably happier than silver medalists, which doesn't really make sense since silver is higher than bronze on the medal stand. But she said, this is the catch. Silver medalists tended to focus on how close they came to winning the gold so they weren't satisfied with silver. While bronze medalists tended to focus on how close they came to not winning a medal at all. And so they were just happy to be on the medal stand. It's all about perspective. And our perspective of joy has been something we've been told since we were little kids that we have. And that's interesting. Think about it. Joy to the world, all the boys and girls. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. This was a a big hymn back in the day in the church, written by the theologians, Three Dog Night. But even before that, I remember as a little kid, before I was even a follower of Jesus, I was in church, and I remember they would tell me that I had joy down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. 
and they were worried about my education, so they taught me how to spell it, J-O-Y, down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. I found out that Jesus put it there and nothing could destroy it, destroy it, destroy it. No, y'all didn't do that, okay. And then I, I learned that if the devil didn't like it, he could sit on a tack. Now, I, I had to slow it down because when I was little, I would say if the devil didn't like it, he could sit on a tack. And in my mind, I pictured the devil sitting ready to attack because he didn't like the joy in my heart, which is really creepy. All because I misunderstood and I interpreted this, this part of the verse differently. It's kind of like my roommate in college. He would walk around and from time to time, he would sing Tiny Dancer by Elton John. But this is how he sang it. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> it changes the whole song. Thinking about a tiny dancer holding you or who's the boss. I mean, it changes everything. And so this morning we are going to look at some verses that I believe we have misunderstood for a while. I know I have in my life. And it gives you perspective on a thing that we all need to have and I think we long to have, and that is your circumstances. Contentment in your circumstance. So we are gonna look in the book of Philippians. If you have your Bible, go ahead and, and turn there. Philippians 4, if not, no worries. It's gonna be on the screen. But Philippians 4, we're gonna be in verse 11 through 13. And I want you to kind of in your mind, as we read these verses, I want you to um, think of where they came from. I want you to picture Paul in prison, not a good situation. And I want you to picture him before this, writing to the church at Philippi, thanking them for supporting him as a missionary. See, Paul was a missionary that went around the world to tell people about Jesus, but also to start churches. And so he is sitting there in prison, just thanking them for supporting him financially so he can go and do God's work. And then he says this in Philippians 4, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And catch this, most of you know it. I can do all this, or you may know what it is. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the two most known verses in the Bible are John 3:16 and Philippians 4:13. And when I was younger in my faith and I started to read the Bible, I didn't know any verses. Here's the crazy thing. The first time I ever preached, I didn't know anything. Not that I do now. Some of you are like, oh, same thing. But I got up not even knowing one verse. And so I was like, I got to start maybe memorizing and understanding some of these verses. And so I saw Philippians 4.13. I was like, this is it. This is my verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I got excited it was kind of like a war cry for me. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm always gonna have victory because of Jesus. And I remember I saw Tim Tebow on the cover of Sports Illustrated. 
with all of his good looks and all of his muscles and he's winning the Heisman and he's winning championships. And I believe we have a picture of it. And if you look right under, doesn't he look intense? If you look right underneath his eyes and his eye black, what does it say? Philippians 4.13. I was like, I'm about to win a national championship for Jesus, come on. And I was way out of my playing stages by then. But I just felt that, I felt like I couldn't lose because of this verse. But I had the wrong perspective. I had the wrong full understanding of this verse because as I have gotten older, I've realized that I don't always feel like I have a victory. I kind of catch the L sometimes. I don't always have a win. Let me give you an example. Just a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we were at Grapevine Mills and we're doing some Christmas shopping. We don't have the kids with us. It's awesome. And then we decide, hey, why don't we go watch a movie? Let's be crazy. Watch a movie without the kids. And so if you know Grapevine Mills, you know that the movie is right by it, but it's disconnected and you have to walk to it. So I have, I'm holding all of our stuff that we have purchased and I'm walking behind my wife because that's how it always works. I'm slow. And, and as I'm walking, pretty level ground, I take a step and my ankle decides to roll. My foot rolls under. And I'm like, okay, I, I can handle this. And as I begin to fall forward, I go to catch myself. My whole leg is just dead, just dead leg. And what happens next is like I was a, a, a large tree in a forest that somebody cut down and yelled timber. And I just fell straight without catching myself and just landed face first on the ground. And my sweet wife, here's the deal. I'm not usually the one that falls in my family. And so my sweet wife doesn't know what to do. She thinks something serious has happened because I don't usually just fall while I'm walking. And so she's down, she's like, are you okay? What do I need to do? And I, and I was so sweet. And in that moment, she didn't laugh, which was so great. Now, don't get me wrong. She made up for it on the car ride home when she laughed for 15 minutes straight. But in that moment, there was concern and she helped me up. And, and then she wiped the gravel off of my face. And I know they say that pride comes before the fall. That's what the Bible says. I didn't feel proud as I was walking like an old man carrying this bag, but I can tell you when I was face first in this, in this ground, my pride was nowhere to be found. I had zero of it. And so she helps me up. Um, turns out the movie's not even open, which is always good. And then we go about our day. But sometimes in life, it happens just like this. Sometimes things aren't happy. Sometimes we find ourselves face first in the gravel. Sometimes we find ourselves in not such a picture perfect situation. Maybe it's not enough money in the bank. Maybe it's not a great relationship with somebody in your family. Maybe marriage is on the rocks. Maybe health is not good. Maybe you have lost someone unexpectedly. Maybe you're going through something that's very, very traumatic. The thing about this is Jesus in Paul's life was evident in his ability to be content when he suffered. It was evident in his life when he was persecuted. It was when it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. It was when he was in prison for two years in a horrible situation, not even knowing if he's gonna come out alive and yet he was filled with joy. Perspective. 
See, Paul showed us that his focus was not on his situation. Instead, his focus was on his savior. So what can we learn from Paul's perspective this morning? How can we find contentment? And if you're writing notes, write this down because I believe the first thing we can do is believe courageously. Believe courageously. When you look at the verse, Philippians 4.13, it starts off and it says, I can do. I can do. And the Greek word that we translate for can do means to be strong, powerful, able, and prevail over. And despite common translations, um, even 27 times in the New Testament for this exact verb, this is the only place in the Bible that it translates to can do. Now think about that for a second. Only place in the Bible, even though it's the verb is used 27 more times, only place in the Bible that it means can do. And remember where Paul is. He's in prison. It doesn't mean that he can do all things through Christ, but rather that he can prevail or have victory over any circumstance because he's fully relying on God. See, contentment comes with salvation. Contentment comes with your faith in Christ, faith in God, who he, he is who he says he is. And if you truly believe that, you can believe what he says in God's word when he says things like Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. See, God is able to make even those sufferings in your life turn out for good for him. And guess who else? Good for you. As I learn more and as I read the Bible more, I've kind of seen um, kind of a theme when it comes to suffering. And I see when people in the Bible suffer, they also draw closer and have a different relationship with God. Think about that for a second. Why else would James in James 1, 5 say this? Consider it pure, what's our word that we're talking about? Joy, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. I heard a story um, years ago about these 23 Korean missionaries who were in Afghanistan and they were captured and they were held hostage by the Taliban. This was 2007. And as they were all together in this one room, there were soldiers all around them and they had the understanding of, about what was gonna happen. And they were gonna be separated individually into these different cells, these different rooms. And then they were gonna come by and they were gonna execute them one by one. So as the 23 were all together, they had one Bible. And what they did is they began to tear out the pages of the Bible and hand them out to each other and they put them in their pockets. Sure enough, they came and they separated them all. And this is what they said they did when they were separated. When they were in these cells, what they would do is they would pray, they would read God's word, whatever they had. Then they would pray and they would read God's words. They would pray and they would read God's word, thinking that life was gonna come to an end. 21 of the 23 got rescued because two, including the lead pastor, was executed. And when they came back, um, 
Pastor Francis Chan met with one of them and he was talking to him. And he says, hey, do you ever talk to the other missionaries? He's like, yeah, we talk all the time. He goes, and the, the missionary said, it's real interesting what they all ask me. They all ask me if I missed being in Afghanistan captured by the Taliban. And then he said this, they tell me when I was surrounded by these soldiers, I felt the presence of Jesus there with me. Now that we're back in Seoul, I'm trying to experience this intimacy with him, but I can't. I fast and I pray and I don't feel it. And catch what they say next. I would rather be back there because of the intimacy I had with him. They were alone but nothing, with nothing but their faith and a few pages of God's word, thinking their lives were surely over. And they experienced an intimacy with the spirit of God that they never had before that moment and that they never had since. See, you can find contentment in every situation, not because of what you can do, but because of what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit can do to you and through you. And I know it's easy to talk about that when you're on the other side of it, when you're not down deep in the pit. So how do we continually um, figure out how to have this contentment? And I believe the second thing is this, learn constantly, learn constantly. If you look at um, verse 11, Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. Now, why would Paul and why would we have to learn to be content in our circumstances? Because it does not come natural to us. I mean, think about it. What comes natural to us is that nothing is ever good enough. Especially us living in America. We want more money. We want bigger house, we want nicer cars, we want different jobs. We're always looking for things other than what we currently have. We always wanna be where we think the grass is greener. And can I give you something for free this morning? The grass is greener because it's full of fertilizer. And we all know what fertilizer is. It may look better from afar, but when you get closer, you begin to smell what it's really made of. You're welcome. One of the cool things I get to do at our church is I get to lead our missions ministry. So I get to go and I get to build relationships and find partnerships um, in different parts of the world that we as a church can uh, support, but also um, somewhere we can send teams to help with our hands and be the feet of Jesus there. And we do that in two different places. One of those is Kampala, Uganda, which is awesome, which I'm hoping we get to go back this summer. Um, and then San Victor, Belize. And when we go to, when we go to Kampala, um, what we get to do is different things. We've taken youth teams, but a month ago in October, the end of October, we um, got to take a construction team, which was pretty cool. But in Uganda, we get to go to the schools. Um, we get to visit the kids that you guys sponsor. The Met Church sponsors over 300 students that go to these schools. So we get to spend time with them. Um, we get to talk to them. We get to be a part of their chapel. Um, but my favorite thing we get to do when we're in Uganda is what we call home visits. So we get to take some of our sponsored kids and we actually get to go out into the villages to their homes to see where they live and also to meet their family. Now, this is something that impacts me no matter how many times I've been, no matter how many times I've seen it, it changes me. So I wanna encourage you, 
If you are able, you need to go on a mission trip with us and experience what we get to experience. But when we're there, I have a picture, some pictures for you guys. The first one is a typical, I wanna say home, it's a home to them, but it's really a hut, okay? And so this is typically what they look like. Dirty, because there's dirt everywhere. There may be a little place to sleep. Um, and you see this and you're like, oh, that seems kind of big. This is probably for about seven to eight people to sleep in. And so families just come and they sleep and most of them have little children and babies. Um, and so it's always interesting. The first year we went in this next picture, we went to this home and we realized that this family lived in a shipping container, a metal shipping container with no air conditioner in the middle of Africa. And we have a picture of the inside. It's pretty tight quarters. Um, you can see that they have stuff hanging. And we asked, why, why do you have things hanging? And they said, because when it rains, the whole container floods and we don't want all of our stuff wet. So it hangs up there. And here's what I want you to notice about this picture. I want you to notice the joy on this child's face. You can see the, uh, the heartbreak on our faces, but look at the joy on this kid's face. Last month, the construction team I was telling you about, we went um, to our partner church there in San Victor Belize called Bethesda Church. It's the poorest um, village in the whole area, the poorest village. And we went to go build restrooms. And so it was awesome. Our group of guys, we had three days to, to help finish these restrooms. And so you can see a picture. Here's a picture of me handing the keys over um, to Pastor Jafet. This is Pastor Jafet. He is 20 years old. Can you imagine being a pastor of a church at 20 year old? I can't, I was an idiot, y'all, at 20. Not that I'm much smarter now, but I, at 20, it was really bad. Um, and so we actually, you can see the restroom, we actually got to finish a fully functioning one side of the restroom. Um, the, the toilets flushes, the sink works, and they've since that next week finished the other side, which we believe to be maybe the only running toilet in the whole village. Um, and then we got him to go inside to take a picture. Let's show that next picture. <laughs> he apparently has never watched our services because he didn't know I was gonna put this on uh, the big screen. But here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice the smile on his face. I want you to notice the joy. When we came back um, through DFW, we had to go through customs and um, I get up there and of course they ask me a million questions because I look like a shady character. And um, the last thing he asked me, he goes, well, why did y'all go? And I said, well, we went to build restrooms. And the agent had this weird look on his face. He squinted a little bit, he turned his head and he said, why restrooms? And so I did the same back to him and I said, because they don't have one. He then proceeded to take me to the side, do a cavity search. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, just kidding. But what can we learn from people that we go visit on mission trips? And I, I'm gonna share with you what I've learned. They have nothing, but they have Jesus. And to them, that's everything. That's what I long for, is that I can be content with whatever's going on in my life. That I can be content with whatever situation, because I know that God's in control and I know that God's got me. And in the moment, it may not feel like victory or, or be something that I'm happy with, but I know 
that as long as I have faith in God and I, I believe who he is, that there's victory on the other side. And when I get through this, I'm going to have a closer relationship with him because Jesus is all that I need. Contentment doesn't come with what we have, where we live, or even the circumstances because all those things change. But God never changes. Paul had peace because he didn't put his hope on, him, on his circumstances. Instead, he put his hope in Jesus. So how do we, on a daily basis, continually put our hope in Jesus? And this is our third point. I believe we have to connect consistently. Connect consistently. When you spend time with God and in God's word, you have a better understanding of who he is, how he lived, and what he wants for your life. You have a deepened faith and understanding. I love the verse, John 15, five. And it says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, there it is. God, us, remain, connect. If we have that connection, remain in him and I in you. Guess what happens? You will bear much fruit. Now, what are we talking about when we say fruit? We're talking about fruit of the spirit, the characteristics of who God is. What are we talking about today? We're talking about joy. Guess what the second fruit is? Love, joy. If you want joy, you have to be connected. You have to remain in him and him in you. And you will bear, bear much fruit, much fruit. And it's interesting how it ends. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Opposite of what we saw a while ago. I can do all things through Christ. If you're connected, if you're not connected, what can you do? Nothing. See, the union with the living Christ gives us the secret of being content. And that is seeing things the way God sees things. I don't know if you remember these, but when I was younger and we used to hang out at the mall, did you, we, we used to make my parents drop me off at the mall. We'd make them do it like a mile down the road so nobody saw us like we thought we could drive. I don't know. Anyway, so we'd be in the mall. You'd be walking and they had those pictures, right? And they were blurry. But if you got right in the middle of them and you began to look at the middle and you just stared at them like you were doing drugs and you stared at them for like 30 seconds, you would start to see other things appear in the picture. Anybody remember that? Just me. Awesome. Here's the thing. The key to these pictures is to stand right in right alignment, right? Right alignment so as to experience the correct perspective. When our perspective is aligned with Jesus, we see things for what they really are because we see things from his perspective. So how do we do that? Practically, I know it's Thanksgiving week. Some of us are, some of you are off. You're gonna be traveling. You're gonna go to family. How do we continually connect with God? And I'm gonna keep it real simple for us, okay? And I know we are at different stages in our faith here. I know there's some of you that read the Bible an hour or two a day. And that's awesome. That's way more than I do. That's awesome. But then I know there's some of us in here today that may be younger in our faith, or maybe you've just never taken that step and you've never really gotten into God's word. So maybe you don't read any, which is okay too. But I wanna make an effort to help you connect today. First thing is, when it comes to reading God's word, you need to pick a time. 
Pick a time. If you do it absolutely zero, I wanna encourage you to pick a time where you can spend five minutes reading God's word. Five minutes of your day. I think you have that. I think we all have that. Five minutes, pick a time when you know maybe you're not, people aren't gonna be running around. It's not gonna be crazy. So you can spend time and focus. Pick a time, pick a place. Pick a place that's maybe a little quieter. And I don't wanna encourage you, don't use this as an excuse to get away from your family when your kids are bickering because it doesn't always work with your wife. And she may tell you that you're gonna spend time with Jesus. You're about to go see Jesus if you go do that. So I'm just telling you, don't use it as an excuse but make sure you pick a time, you pick a place, you pick a starting point. Um, when I was younger, I would go to the Bible and I'd be like, God, I'm really struggling with this. Tell me where you want me to read and stop. And I would just read it. And it'd be something really out there. Um, don't do that. Think about where you can read before you even get into that place. And I'll give you some. I would encourage you to do the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the birth, the life, the ministry, the death of Jesus to see how he did things. I think those are so great. Maybe for you, it's the, the book of wisdom, Proverbs. We could all use a little more of that. There's 31 of them. You could do one a day. Maybe you need something very practical. One of my favorite books is James. Very practical. Understand, I can understand what he's talking about. Maybe it's Philippians that we've been studying over the past few weeks. Wherever it is, pick it before you go. Pick a time, pick a place, pick a starting point in scripture. And then this is so important. Do it every day. Do it every day. You need to feed yourself every day. You being here, you watching online, you are feeding yourself with God's word to understand him more. But if the only times we feed ourselves is when we're on Sunday, that means you're eating once a week. That means you're hungry and you're malnourished. And I know when I'm hungry, I make poor decisions. So make sure you are feeding yourself, even if it's just a little every day. These things are so important. Because I believe when we get into God's word, I believe it is connecting us to the creator of the universe, the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And when we do it, we have a better understanding of not only who he is, but who he wants us to B, it changes our perspective. To close, I wanna tell you a story that I saw um, a couple weeks ago. It was very interesting. In, in 1942, an Austrian psychiatrist named Viktor Frankl was arrested by the Nazis. He spent three years in four different concentration camps, including the infamous Auschwitz. Frankl was stripped, stripped of his possessions, his clothes, even his name. He was reduced to a number he was prisoner 1,119, 104. His mother, his father, and his wife all died in those camps. The year after liberation, Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And a survey conducted by the Library of Congress ranks it as one of the 10 most influential books of all time. And in this book, Frankl shares the secret of his Survival. I just want you to catch this this morning. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing. The last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. You and I, we have a choice and it can start today. We have a choice in every circumstance. We can believe that our God is able we can learn to be content no matter what situation we're in and we can focus on 
Jesus who allows us to have joy no matter what. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you uh, for people like Paul that you spoke through to show us and to teach us lessons of the things that he experienced, the things that he went through, how horrible the persecution was for him. God, the time in prison, God, but yet he stayed faithful to following after you. And through it all, he was content in every situation. Not because it came naturally, but because he learned. God, I pray this morning, God, that we have courageous faith, that we believe you are who you say you are and that impacts and changes our life. God, I pray that we learn constantly. Every day we learn from you, but we also learn from other people's situations and and things that other people are going through and how they have contentment, even when it feels like they may have nothing. And lastly, God, I pray that we begin to connect with you consistently on a daily basis so our, so our heart is changed. So the way we see things is not from our perspective, but it's from your perspective. God, I pray that as we go through this week of thanksgiving, that that's truly what it is. It's a time that we are thankful for the many, many blessings that you have given us. And God, no matter the circumstance, we know we can have joy, not because of us, but because of you. We love you and we thank you. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.